Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talking About Birds, the only Cardinal podcast more tapped out than Bill DeWitt. My name is Nate Heininger, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ben Samorka. Hi, everyone. If you have an idea for the opening bit, tweet us at Talk About Birds. Hambone, how you doing? We're uh, we're deep into the new year at this point. How you feeling? How are things in your part of the world? Uh, killing it. Um, obviously, yeah. ten out obviously. of ten, maybe eleven out of ten. Actually, yeah. Wow. Um, need I say more? I mean, look at me. I I I'm, I look great. I feel great. Um, wearing a loose fitting tie dye shirt. Everything's just coming up me, man. It's <laughs> this is the year of Ben. I think. Uh, mm. I know we're only 10 days into it, but I think we can call it right now. Sorry. Let's just lock it up right now. Boom. The year of Ben. Yeah. How about you? Uh, pretty upset that I've entered into the year of Ben. <laughs> yes. <laughs> not, not feeling great. Uh, uh, yeah. But you know what is making me feel better? Is What's that apparently is? the Victor Scott to uh, music. Yeah. The, the like. I guess we should have already known about this, considering our mutual interest in music, but um, yeah. and our mutual interest in in Victor Scott. But um, I, I learned, I think, world's colliding, this, right? Yeah, the same time as you did that he uh, has quite the um, off the field talent. Yeah, I uh, and I, I got to look up the. Uh, uh, I'm trying to look up the uh, the, the I think is Dan Lorilla. Uh, contributor to the fan yeah, graphs yeah uh david yeah. lorilla i don't want to take any credit for this but yeah uh fan graphs and, uh, and david did an awesome little uh sit down interview q a with victor scott too um and it was made public that he is a him and his like best buddy from growing up are like they, they make hip-hop music and i this podcast and I think some people who listen to it had a recent run in with another former Cardinals music <laughs> career and it was um, wanting and, and I, I'll couch this with like I, I said I listen to some country music which is true um, but I'm I'm a far bigger hip hop fan I think right if, if you got into my head hip hop's probably my favorite genre of music it's what I consume most so yeah maybe I'm a little biased or, or a little more primed to accept Victor Scott's project over Mr. Adam Wainwright's uh, country uh, ballad about being retiring as a St. Louis Cardinal. <laughs> it was really him kind of bragging, though, right? Like, yeah, kind of like, like braggadocious, sad country. Um, but, I mean, uh, yeah. if you didn't know anything about him, it would you wouldn't know that he was bragging. But if you know that he's retiring as a yeah. St. Louis Cardinal pitcher, uh, yeah. then yeah. yeah, yeah, I guess that's fair. But uh, so, yeah, Victor Scott, he's a rapper. His rap name is Argo, um, nice. which is funny. If you read the interview, how he got that name, he saw the sign of on a Wells Fargo building and said, oh, I'm going to take the F off of that. Argo, that's a cool name, um, <laughs> which is just funny to me. But um, not named after the movie. Nope. Argo or the show uh, Fargo or the or, show Fargo or. Yeah, really anything. He just liked One the way it sounded. One part of a bank name. One part of a bank, uh, like a three, a quarter of a of a bank name. Yeah. Um, 
But all that being said, I listened to, he's got an EP, a uh, solo EP. He's got an EP with his good buddy. Um, and it was like shockingly good to me. I, I thought that he sounded cool on it. Um, if you are a hip hop fan and haven't listened to it yet, it kind it was like a blend of like young thug and juice world, but it was also, it's kind of sad boy rap, which Mm -hmm. I love, I love the braggadocious rap. I love the, you know, uh, uh, money and chains and all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, it was kind of like money and chains and all that stuff. (laughs) So so on and so forth too. Yes, of course. The the whitest man in America talking about (laughs) hip hop. From Um, a basement in Denver. Yes, money and chains. Of course. And those beats, they sure do get your toe tapping. Mm -hmm. Um, Big butts, etc. But no, he's like talking about like uh, being in love with a girl and like uh, unrequited love. And and it's very sweet. And uh, I liked it. It was um, was shockingly good. Like I said, if you have not listened to him, go. Go listen to Argo on uh, Spotify or whatever. He's he's cool. Yeah, and uh, I, you know, I, I'm I'm also a big hip hop fan, though I I would never claim to be as knowledgeable or into it as much as Ben. I know that's like your big thing when it comes to music, uh, and I I also know like you know considering we've been roasting Adam Wainwright uh, <laughs> for a while, like uh, you know we we would say if we also thought this was not oh, very yeah. good too. For sure. I expected it to be bad. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, anytime you hear, check out this mixtape. You know, yeah. it just it it's not you're not primed to enjoy it. Um, but yeah, it's pretty legit. So it begs the question, Nate. If Victor Scott or when he makes Major League roster, yeah, and he goes up to take his first at bat, does he use one of his own songs as his <laughs> walk up song? And if so, is that cool or bad? Um, I think. No, he won't. But I do think it would be cool. Yeah. I think yeah, it'd I be think a pretty it'd... baller move, honestly. Yeah, you get the word out. People are vibing with it. Maybe they'll, mm-hmm. they'll Shazam it or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I also don't think he won't, but it would be cool. I don't think he won't. I, I don't think he <laughs> will. I, I won't think, think he do. I won't think he do. There we go. <laughs> Nailed it. Victor Scott, I won't think he do. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good show. Good show. Uh, yeah, it's it's cool. I, I like it. Um, I think it's cool to see these guys with um, you know this sort of talent. And you're also like, damn it, how are you good at everything? That that part is annoying. Yeah, yeah. What, what the hell? Um, but yeah, uh, I also wonder what I thought you were going to say there. You know, they played Adam like a minute and a half of Adam Wainwright's song on a yeah. national broadcast. Uh, will they do that for uh, Victor Scott too? Well. I hope that they do. I will point out that his uh, uh, music is a little more explicit um, <laughs> than what Mr. Adam Wainwright was putting out. So maybe they can find an edited version or, or, or something like that. But that would be they should. That'd be great. Why not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, it does make me wonder, like, you know, we're we are getting to the point where a lot of these guys that are at this age, like the minors and rookies and whatnot, people who are born in like 2003, 2004, oh, I know. Full access to things like SoundCloud and, and the tools to make right. music like this. Is it actually the reality that a, an absolute ton of these minor league players all have mixtapes and we just only have heard about Victor Scott's because he's a Cardinal and it's kind of good and he's he's getting a lot of you yeah. know, hype right now? Um, um, or is it really a standout for him? That's a great question. We will maybe maybe I'll do some research into that and see if we can find an actual answer to that. That's that's a very funny question though. I don't know. <laughs> and I, that begs the question: When's the talking about birds mixtape coming out? I mean, what what we have the equipment? 
that, um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I've got lack of talent team. hasn't stopped us before. So that's a great point. We could put out a mixtape that is as good as this podcast for sure. hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Uh, I do wonder, will Wayno and, uh, Victor Scott collab, oh. you know, one of those, uh, what do they call that? Hick, hick hop. Um, I, I, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know, uh, Morgan Wallen and, uh, mm-hmm. little Dirk, they did some little music Dirk. with yeah. each other and, I don't, not for me, not my thing, yeah. but uh, <laughs> people like it. So good. Yeah. that's good. Well, uh, it's good to know uh, Victor Scott has a career to fall back on if he can't yeah. have the, pow- the power like we're all hoping that he can. For real, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, if we, uh, we, we had a, some some interesting data come out over the, yeah. over the last week too. So if you, um, if you make your, your uh, way to a game here this summer, um, you can contribute to this data. Ben, you want to, uh, you want to sort of w- walk us into it? Well, yeah, there was this, there's this post online this week that I thought was interesting. And of course, whenever I see something like this, it's, I always think about it through a Cardinal specific lens. And when you have DeWitt, we're going to talk about this in a minute. When you have DeWitt talking about not spending money, this is where my mind always goes. But anyways, there was a, uh, some research that came out around the average fans spending on alcohol per game. Um, and the Cardinals were actually fairly low on that list, lower than I would think as somebody who's grown up in St. Louis, like kind of, we're like a pretty good drink in town. Um, but a lot of kids go to these games, you know, maybe that's kind of, uh, uh, lowering the average, but anyways, what we learned was that the Cardinals fans on average spend $28 on alcohol per game. And that's across the board. So that if you're a, a child, a, an adult or of age or not, it's all kind of spread out. So that's the average spend. So then I was curious, okay, that's not nothing. Um, that's actually more than the average price ticket to get into Bush Stadium, which right, is the average right. ticket spend to get in is a little over 15. It's like in between 15 and $16 somewhere. So I was like, well, that's significant enough to think about the Cardinals drew yeah. over 3 million fans last year. So just doing some really stupid, quick arithmetic. Um, it was about 90, 90.75 million dollars just in alcohol sales, uh, for the Cardinals last Pretty year, good. which is wild. And it's also, I mean, I know they're not making 100% profit on right. that, but let's, I mean, they're making mostly profit on that because beer costs nothing and they're charging, what is it? 10 or 11 bucks, uh, for beer. Yeah. So, and I just think about that in the context of where the payroll is at. That is, let's say if we're being, uh, if we're giving the DeWitt's credit, let's say that's 45 million bucks. That is a huge chunk of the Cardinals payroll. And, uh, you know, you just like to see, you know, if you put that into into account with the ticket sales and all the the food sales and everything else, not even talking about TV money, like the Cardinals just print cash. Yeah. And for them to cry poor or say that the situation <laughs> is murky, it just drives me up a wall. I know every like I'm not breaking any news here or anything like that. Right. But I did think that that 90 million bucks was a uh, an interesting number and interestingly large number. It is. Um, yeah, the economics of baseball are are wild. You know, we get little glimpses into it. Like we saw the the Braves, you know, they, they're required to open up their books. And we we learned just how profitable uh, teams can be when you've got all these extreme revenue streams. And, uh, you know, and, and St. Louis was what top five in attendance last year um, and, yeah. and like consistently is. 
Uh, and you know, you think of a beer is, is cheap to make. Think about the nachos that you're paying like $9 for, you know, it's like a cup of that cheese and some chips. So obviously they're, they're making a ton of money on top of, you know, the Cardinals in specific, Mm -hmm. um, the ballpark village and all that. It just all fuels into this like mega corporation. That's why the DeWitt's, um, I think they paid like $180 million for the team and uh, it's now worth $2.1 billion. Yeah. You know, just the, the value of the team. And it's because of that. I mean, it's an extremely profitable business now. Like what, what they're arguing is often that like the on the ground dynamics the like it's worth 2.1 billion, but that doesn't mean we just have right. Like 2.1 billion, which is, which is true. That is not how money works. However, when you have an asset of that value, you basically have unlimited access to funds. Any right. and every bank in the universe is going to give you uh, whatever money you want at whatever interest rate you want because they know you can. You are the the top of this money printing machine that is Major League Baseball, and in particular the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, I was surprised though <laughs> that St. Louis was so low on the beer drinking thing. I, I know, like I, I I'm assuming this is something that every city kind of feels you know so i don't want to be like st louis is inherently like different or whatever but i do think st louis views itself as a beer drinking city the the foundation of the city is the largest beer manufacturer in the world yeah and we have extremely loose uh liquor laws compared to a lot of other states because of anheuser-busch being located here it's literally bush stadium even though like (laughs) that has been you know that's ubiquitous at this point. I don't know how many people are thinking about Anheuser-Busch when you say Bush Stadium, but like, yeah, it's, it's ingrained there. There it's everywhere. So I was a little surprised. Um, my only guess is that it's so fucking expensive. Yeah. And most people in, uh, Missouri and the St. Louis region, uh, it's not a super high, uh, like, you know, um, high earning part of the country. And so, yeah, those like, $12 $12 beers. You're like, well, I mean, I, real, I'm going to get one real Cardinals fans. You, you maybe get a beer or two in the stadium, but then you go to patios and you drink until you can't see straight. Anymore. That's, <laughs> that's what a real Cardinals fan does. You get opinion. in a little van that'll take you yeah. to the, uh, or, or take you to the stadium and back. Yeah. And they give you beer in the van. You're back there sitting in between four people smoking cigarettes and you're having a great time. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's an experience I've had. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds good. Oh, it makes me windows, miss baseball. All the windows just... closed in the van for some reason. <laughs> sure. We're all just everyone. We're all just smoking in here. Ripping cigs. Yeah. 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 Makes oh, me I miss know, baseball. Man. I am. I am. I am deep in the 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 depths of, of missing baseball right now. Um, I'm like just to have something to interact with. I'm like getting deep into my fantasy baseball teams and it's just reading baseball player names yeah. over and over and over and, and right. looking at like projected stats and stuff. It's like, it's part of why I like that. Cause it gives me something to do when there's no baseball uh, on top of this whole fucking podcast that we do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I, I think I get a good chunk of my fill from this. Lovely yeah. Show, and, but and, yeah I get uh, it. Quick plug. We have, we have scheduled our first, uh, bird scored movie night um, yeah so if you're interested in watching a baseball movie with us uh consider joining the the bird scored so yeah um, we're finding ways but we are uh just under a month from pitchers and catchers reporting right before 
we started recording. The official date was announced. February 14th, Valentine's Day. Cute. Uh, catchers and catchers will be reporting. How exciting is that? It's the most romantic day in baseball. It makes sense that it would fall uh, on Valentine's Day. And yeah, I was just looking at the numbers. Uh, the day this show comes out, 43 days until the first Cardinals spring training game. So it's it's all coming. It's going to be quick. It's all, I mean, it's only a few episodes, really. We're going to be there in no time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and to continue sort of plugging the show, our 100th episode is coming up and we're planning something fun for that. Yeah. So, uh, no, uh, no spoilies just yet, but stay tuned for uh, episode 100. And we're going to start getting into uh, predictions. And, and we've been talking projections over the last two weeks uh, with Steamer and Fangraphs and, or, uh, and Zips and whatnot. And more and more of that's coming out as we just get closer and closer. And it becomes more and more real that the Cardinals are probably done this offseason. <laughs> so we'll see, um, I guess. Yeah. But uh, but uh, in the last week, there's actually been some really bit like I, I, I'd say one massive move and one yeah. very interesting move. Um, so let's start with the huge one. Uh, arguably from a from a 10,000 foot view. Yeah. Maybe the most important moment of this offseason, um, something that you and I and and a lot of people, we were not particularly unique in this take, but, um, you know, we really, really w- were interested in the Cardinals pursuing uh, adding Bloom, former Pobo of Red I thought Sox. He was a, I thought he was a CBO, wasn't he? A CBO? Was he? A, was he CB? They're all I'll, just making. Keep up talking. Titles. I'll look at it. Yeah, they're all just making up stupid titles for themselves anyway because they yeah. don't want to promote each other. Yes. But um, yeah, he was a CBO. Okay, chief baseball operator. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of the Red Sox, former executive of the of the Tampa Bay Rays, um, considered one of the best minds in baseball. Although, you know, the Red Sox, it, it didn't necessarily end well. But that may be more of the Red Sox problem than him. We can talk about that. Anyway, the Cardinals have hired him uh, as an advisor to our Pobo, to John Mazalek. And uh, I'll go first. I mean, I, I think it's incredible. I, I'm a huge fan of this move. We've been hoping for it for a long time. We've been saying the Cardinals need a legit outside voice in the organization. Um, you know, it's cool we got Daniel Descalso back. It's cool we keep adding these like former Cardinal greats, but there's obviously some fundamental flaws in the organization. And um, when you looked around the landscape, him, Ken, Kim Ng from the Marlins, you know, there was a couple of these people mm-hmm. that just like seemed like they'd be perfect ads for the Cardinals. And I, and frankly, I did not expect it to happen. I, I was like, I, I, if I was stack ranking what I thought was likely to happen, I would have put the Cardinals signing Yamamoto over the Cardinals oh, hiring wow. uh, Bloom. And for a number of reasons. One, just because they've never done anything like this. I think it's like the first time in like 30 years, you know, that there's like a, a person at this level has had no experience in the St. Louis Cardinal right. organization. So we have no ground to stand on for, you know, assuming this would happen. And then do like, why would he necessarily take this role? You know, like what's in it for him? Yeah. Um, I would assume that there were a lot of people that were, uh, you know, lobbying for his services. Um, so I just didn't think it was going to happen. And it has, which I think is really, really, really cool. If you look at the Boston Red Sox uh, farm system, uh, he's all over it. And they have an incredibly uh, strong farm system right now. Um, you know, I, I think uh, depending on how they deploy him, 
and also his willingness to actually speak like hard truth to Mazalak and all that will yeah. be really what determines if this is successful or not. But ultimately, I'm I'm very excited. So uh, I've ranted for, or rambled to hear for a minute. Ben, how are you feeling about it? I, I agree with you. I think it is. Uh, I think it's the most important offseason move that the Cardinals have made um, in, in this year. Uh, and I don't think it's that close. Everything that you said, I agree with. Um, and I think his, so, so the reason it did happen, right. Is because him and Mosaic have some type of undetermined relationship that maybe we'll learn more about. Maybe this is just like rich guy winter meetings. They like to hang out and have cocktails. I don't know what it is, but Mosaic said that they had a working relationship going on. Um, so whatever it happened and that's great. And I think that if, uh, you know, Mosaic is still, uh, King emperor, for the card. So if, if <laughs> yeah. he didn't want it to happen, I don't think it would happen. So I, I think those are all good things. Um, I think what you said about the Red Sox is really important. Look at what he did to the minor league player depth there. It's huge. He absolutely turned that team around, even though John Henry, the owner of the Red Sox was kind of hamstringing him and mm-hmm. kind of, uh, going back on back and forth on what he wanted the team to do. And then, you know, putting these weird limits on him and then being disappointed. And, um, the Red Sox had a weird, like the way they handled Xander Bogarts was weird. The way they handled Mookie Betts. Was yeah. Um, yeah. They, they had some weird interactions. Um, and I, I, I think it's, you know, some of that's Heim Bloom's fault, but a lot of that's uh, uh, John Henry's fault. But yeah, all that being said, what's most important is that this guy, he's only 40 years old. He spent 15 years in the Rays uh, uh, front office and essentially worked his way from a um, intern into the vice president of baseball, uh, which is first off incredible. And you just go down his, his resume. He was the one who wrote the Rays way as far as player development for the Rays in 2008. A lot of people regard him as one of the best in the business for developing starting pitchers. As you and I have said multiple times, that's probably the number one organizational failure. Not even probably. It's got to be by a mile, right? Like all you have to do, and I've done this thought experiment a number of times, but uh, if you're if you're questioning that validity, think to yourself, who's the what's the last ace pitcher the St. Louis Cardinals developed right. from the ground up? And it, I would love to hear your answer because uh, I kind of feel like you have to go. Back I mean, into I, the nineties. <laughs> I think it's Wainwright. Yeah, but even Wainwright, you could argue if you, yeah, because the the Braves connection. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll keep thinking about it. Yeah. Um. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. It's rough. It's been a while, and <laughs> yeah, you look at uh, you look at well, I mean, look at the Red Sox. They Brian Bellow. They've had guys pop out uh, of mm-hmm. nowhere during High Bloom's time, but you look at what the Rays were doing. His focus was on pitching development. Look at the Rays, the pitchers that the Rays were spinning out from those 15 years that he was involved. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it's a 100% him, but, you know, nothing a trend ever is. is a trend. But yeah. Right. And in baseball, like at it, it really is a, a lot of the guy at the top, the one that's making these kind of final decisions. Now, that decision is a culmination of a lot of people's work. So you really don't want to erase individuals, but like it, it is, yeah. you know, a lot of, of who's your scouting director, who's your, you know, Pobo, et cetera. You also, you know, we, we criticize the Cardinals for being slow, 
maybe being not not Luddites, but yet just a little slow to tech and, and stuff like that and something that they were slow to. I mean, you look around the league and damn near every team has somebody from the Rays front office sprinkled throughout either running their team or GM or, or they just have them sprinkled throughout. And there's a reason it's because they do it better than anyone else. And the Cardinals now have that guy and they probably have one of them other than, you know, maybe Andrew Friedman, who is probably yeah. the best front office executive of the past, I don't know, 20, 30 years or so. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he is well-regarded. Heimblum is well-regarded. Not to mention, if Mosellock is looking for an exit strategy, and if the DeWitts prefer to get to know Heimblum or, or whoever is going to be filling that next Pobo role before actually handing, handing him the, the keys, this is a perfect way to do this. Be an advisor, get to know the, how the Cardinals work, get to spend time with the DeWitts, have the dinners, rub the elbows, all that stuff. And in a year or two years, when Mo does want to hang it up, you have this young guy with a sterling pedigree um, and hopefully a record of of high performance, you know, with the Cardinals organization. And it's a no brainer. Um, and yeah. it, I, I think it makes all the sense. Like I, I already said this, but it, I think it's the most important move the Cardinals have done. Um, I do think it's important for Cardinals fans to not expect uh, the pitching development to just change overnight. Right. Um, right. But hey, maybe in spring training, we see Heim Bloom uh, and his team and, and his intelligence talking to Tink Hentz, talking to Gordon Graceffo. Maybe he has adjustments. Maybe he has a raised way of doing things. And maybe we do see a little increased prospect development. Maybe we do see um, pay benefits uh, uh, sooner or later. But yeah I, yeah, I think it's great. I think everything about it is great. And uh, I'm, yeah. yeah I, I, like, if I could buy, buy a Heimblum uh, jersey, I would. <laughs> I'm also curious, uh, this is purely speculation, but the Cardinals have made some moves with the Red Sox this yes. offseason. And, and the Rays. <laughs> yeah. And this sort of um, relationship, this working deal that's been struck between Bloom and the Cardinals doesn't happen overnight. I assume that this has been you know, for a while now. And uh, who knows? It'd be interesting yeah. if he's had a hand like unofficially in some of those deals, you know, it's almost like a, a trial, so to speak. Hey, uh, this, this Ryan Fernandez kid, I went out and got him. Here's the reason why I did. I think you could probably get him for X. Hey, Mo, pull yeah. the trigger. I mean, yeah, that conversation happens. I'm, I'm sure. Like yeah. if you, if you're vetting, hiring Heim Bloom and you are also, working on trades with the Red Sox, you're talking to Hein Bloom about those trades, I'm assuming, you know? So yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. And, um, it, it is a good signal to those of us who have been, uh, really concerned about the Cardinals and their blinders, um, yeah. and their inability to say there is something wrong with the way we're doing things. And, uh, you know, I don't think you make this move if you don't actually believe that you need help. Yeah. So um, agreed. It's a good sign. You won't hear the Cardinals say that, not in that way. But uh, you know, I think we, we all know that's the case. So pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll see where it goes. Is he the future president of baseball operations? You know what? What is Gersh doing? Uh, we know Yachty is is there too. Um, so that's interesting. Like I'm really hopeful that like Bloom and Yachty have an interesting balance with Yachty's. Yeah eye for pitching and quality too. Like it's, you know, it could be pretty cool. It, yeah. Um, it's hard not to be excited. 
Yes. Yep. Um, so there was uh, another move, um, which is funny. It, big picture, it's not that crazy of a move. But uh, Palacios was like the one fun thing that happened at the end of last year. So I think people, ha- and it's with the Rays, so people are having a sort of outsized response to this trade as far as being sad about it and being concerned about the future. But uh, Richie Palacios was traded to the uh, Tampa Bay Rays for uh, Andrew Kittredge, uh, a 34-year-old reliever who will be a free agent at the end of this year. Yeah. Um, so, Ben, what are your... What's your initial thought on this trade? Um, I think you're giving up like the Cardinals aren't going to win this trade on, on like just pure value, right? Like Richie Palacios was essentially uh, gotten from the Guardians for nothing um, for a little bit of cash. Uh, he has it was five or six more years of control. He's 26. He tapped into a little bit of power last year. He had a 516 slugging percentage. I highly doubt he will carry that. Uh, for even uh, any time next year or, or the preceding years. Um, but he started to show some um, some things to be excited about. And I, uh, I understand why Cardinals fans are feeling a, a way about this kind of move, right? But the fact of the matter is the team, as it was constituted with Tyler O'Neill and Richie Palacios made no sense. You cannot right. run a team with 18 outfielders. Um, and the position player group is already stout, already built out. He is an extra player. So I think while while I said what I said, I do think that it's, it's pretty slick for the Cardinals to turn an extra piece that they don't need, that they essentially picked up for free, into a player who we can expect can be a late inning reliever tomorrow. Um, now, Andrew Kittredge is never going to uh, demand a lot of money. If the Cardinals want to resign him. Obviously, that's their prerogative to do if they want to keep him in the fold. Uh, but this is a guy that you can roll out in the seventh or eighth inning, sixth, seventh, eighth, anywhere in there. He is a sinker slider guy. He has a next level sinker. Um, and when he's healthy, he should produce ground balls, you know, uh, almost 50% of the at bats against him. Um, we expect the Cardinals infield defense and defense at large to be pretty decent next year. I think it all makes a lot of sense. It is a bit of a gamble that he hasn't been super healthy. Um, they are expecting, you know, things to turn out well, uh, and hoping to win. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, and, uh, that's fine. Um, but yeah, I think all, all in all, it's a good deal. And I, I don't think you could have gotten much more for Palacios. So here we are. Yeah. Yeah. I went back and forth on this. Um, but ultimately I'm, I'm kind of landing in that, that camp of like, I think this is, is a, a really good move for the Cardinals. Like you said, like they needed to trade. We, we had to remove some outfielders already did the Tyler O'Neill one. Palacios, you and I were slotting in as the maybe the fourth outfielder, but that's more likely, you know, Carlson. And so now Palacios is your fifth outfielder. And other than a hundred at bats with the cart major league team last year, like before that, this guy was just really considered sort of a you know triple A, maybe quad A type player. He's 26 years old. He wasn't even going to get a shot in the majors for for most teams in MLB if it wasn't for 
the fact that the Cardinals were completely out of it. Um, so Cardinals flipped what is very likely now he seems like a great guy and I wish him all the best, but what is very likely the best 100 at bats at the major league level of Palacio's career, they flipped yeah. that for, uh, who, for Andrew Kittredge, who in 2021, now that was a long time ago for a reliever, but in 2021 was one of the best relievers in baseball. Right. And had a, uh, you know, all-star appearance, all that. And then he had Tommy John, which sucks. But that's also at this point a relatively predictable injury and one that guys have and can come back from. And assuming they have a normal rehab time and they look good upon re- return from the rehab, like you can generally be pretty comfortable about their their health and their recovery from Tommy John. And that's exactly what Andrew Kittredge had. Kittredge had. Now, he only pitched like 11 innings last year, but still what you're looking for is someone coming back from the in- injury and having some of the same qualities that they had before that injury. And it's exactly what happened. And then he has a full offseason to, you know, completely rehab or or just have a standard offseason. So we can reasonably expect. I'm not saying he's going to be as good as he was in 2021. He is only getting older. He fits right in with our uh, pitching staff. Yeah. Um, but like, I think he's going to be pretty good. I, I think it, it will not be surprising to me if Andrew Kittredge ends up being ends up being one of the team leaders in holds. Uh, him, Gallegos. If there's no other major additions to the bullpen, I think you're starting out with Kittredge as like your seventh inning guy, maybe even eighth. If uh, Helsley or, or Gallegos falter. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think um, like with that power sinker that he's bringing, you know, if, if you want to bring them in in the uh, sixth or seventh or eighth when there's traffic and, and try to induce a double play, I think that that's a smart move. The guy that Ali has been pulling on last two years for that is and Andre Palante, who just right. unfortunately gives up too much hard contact for that to yeah. be a real solution. So Kittredge is your, is your, your fireman or, or whatever you want to call that guy, your uh, Seth Manis. Uh, yeah, from uh, how many, yeah. however many years however ago, however long ago that was, uh, and the Heim Bloom factor, like we were already talking about, like this is a Heim Bloom guy. Uh, yeah, this this is a Ray's guy who was acquired, uh, or who was a Ray at the same time, and uh, you know we we brought Bloom in to advise on these kinds of things, and I bet he was very directly involved in this trade, and maybe even helped to yeah. get through the gate. But uh, yeah, it's all yeah. great. I think if this trade was not with the Rays, everyone would be a lot more excited about it. It's just everyone is so uh, worried about like, well, wait, if the Rays wanted Palacios, then then shit, it's the next Rosarina. Um, And, you know, you never know. Late, late career breakouts. Palacios could be the next Matt Carpenter or whatever. But like those are such different pedigrees of players. Yeah, uh, you know, remember a Rosarino was traded to get one of the top pitching prospects in baseball. Um, Palacios is traded to get one year of a 34 year old reliever coming off of Tommy John. So yeah, as the perceived value here is is very, very different. But anyway, the Cardinals need pitching. We have a glut of mid level outfielders. They want that they, they, they are indicating they want to win in 2024. And while this may end up from like a true war numbers standpoint, you know, they got six years or so of a, of an outfielder who plays pretty good defense. Like, yeah, the Rays will probably end up on top of this one, uh, maybe by a little, maybe by a lot, 
but for trying to win in 2024, which is what we want the Cardinals to do, this is a good move. And yeah. I'm excited to see Kittredge as a uh, as a Cardinal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Fully agree. Um, it 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 would be easier if he wasn't so if Palacios wasn't so gregarious. I know. And that's charming. The yeah. And he's got the rec specs and like, you know, he's just fun to Always watch. A good look. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, uh, and like if you watched a lot of games last year, like we did, even when it sucked, he was like one of the only fun parts of the last yeah. two months of the game or of the of the season. So yeah. it's like it, it sucks to trade that sort of personality. But, you know, it is what it is. So it is what it is. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit. We kind of mentioned it before, uh, but there's been some reporting over the last week as well about the sort of current state of the business with the Cardinals. Um, I don't know. Will you will you kind of walk through this real quick? Yeah, uh, I'll just I think I'll read the quote and then we can we can talk about it after that. But uh, in an interview with John Denton, MLB.com and uh, Bill DeWitt, uh, Bill DeWitt said, uh, and this is uh, to regards to uh, spending more money, where the team at is, are they going to add anything, so on and so forth. Uh, Bill DeWitt says, look, I think we're always open to improving our club within reason, but you know, we've already made some big moves. With payroll, it has to be thought of in context of the whole business with all the investments we're making and other aspects of the product on the field. So we are making a pretty big push by raising payroll and having revenues somewhat challenged, which I'm editorializing that is such a joke to me. Uh, Back into the quote, uh, it's actually quite a commitment. Now, is there a little more room there? It depends on the deal. End of quote. Um, revenues somewhat challenged is such a funny, uh, funny statement. Um, so yeah, you can, like, there's a lot of different ways to interpret this. And there's also like, is there gamesmanship in this too? You know, we, we, we've seen Mazalak come out and say one thing, uh, in an interview and then literally like an hour later, pull off a, a trade or a move that is. 100 percent counter to what they just said you don't often get that from the ownership level they're not usually out there giving like playing games yeah playing games and giving mr x um and like you know what does it mean to say there's still room if we need it etc like there's a lot of ways you could sort of walk back all of this or it could all end up kind of being like a nothing burger type statement from bill to it but uh, it's being rightfully sort of roasted too, because it's just such a frustrating thing when when you know payroll has maybe gone up a little bit, but not really. And we know where the Cardinals sit in the broader scope of baseball and where their payroll. I think right now the payroll is projected something to be around the fifteenth or sixteenth highest payroll in baseball. And yet, as we talked at the beginning of the of the episode like we're top five in um uh attendance which is a huge driver of of revenue and yeah and you know the 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 industry is a money printing machine besides all the the revenue the 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 governmental tax breaks and whatnot that they receive uh the the priority they receive like it's 
it's bullshit, frankly. Yeah. Um, you know, we rant about this a lot on the show, but we don't often get as much like red meat straight from the carnal <laughs> ownership. Yeah. Uh, and I'm cautious to go just continue to, to rant like this, but it is frustrating. It is uh, annoying and it feels, um, well, I will say this. I, uh, I would, at the, at the opening day of the 2022 Cardinal season, when Bill DeWitt came out on the field during it, they do that big procession. Right. I took a lot of joy in booing him as loudly as I could. I was the only one in my, in my section I could tell that was doing that. But like, these guys are not our heroes. Um, you know, they, they, uh, they could all be so much better for the sport than they are. Yes. And, uh, uh, I understand that they are business owners and they want to run it like a business, but uh, I believe in a in a better a better state of the game would be to find owners who their priority is not the profit margin of their uh, organization. I mean, to me, it's just it, it like well, I have so many comments, but it if you are say you're going to increase payroll. Um, increasing i think they're currently at five million dollars that's that's the payroll change from last year to this year yeah uh, they're they're sitting at 158 million right now they were 153 last year um i guess technically they're right which that is the best kind of being right is technically hey technically so, correct it's the so Heineken way right so good for them <laughs> and the thing that drives me nuts is when they they almost put on this hat of like i am the steward of the game. I am the one bringing these people together. I am, I, I am anointed in, on some level and I, I am doing my civic duty, so on and so forth. Well, it's really that, you know, that's just a, absolutely not true. You're in the right. right place at the right time with the right amount of money. Um, and the Cardinals have been an institution in St. Louis for over a hundred years. And you happen to be the guy with the hat on in this block of time. Um, so, so that all annoys me. Um, but the other aspect, we just know there's not a cash problem. And when he is quoted, like to me, he's alluding to improvements to Ballpark Village, other old, other real estate holdings that might improve his uh, his uh, portfolio around the ballpark. Like, we don't care about that. Um, I could never care about that. You're not. It's not like you're saving the city of St. Louis. You're just lining your pocketbook it has yeah. nothing to do with anyone other than you um so this this <laughs> yeah well we we have a lot of studies now to show that um just like the mere existence of a a very nice stadium and things around it does not like inherently improve a right. city's tax generation or anything like that um you know that was the the lie we were all sold from like the 90s all the way through uh you know, until very recently when cities have finally sort of caught on and stopped giving these like absurd tax breaks to, uh, to sports leagues. And MLB is, is, uh, you know, one of many that are, that are doing this. Right. But, um, but yeah, yeah. They like the way that they talk to us as if we're supposed to care about their profit margins when it's like, that is so far like there's not a single fan that cares about no. the St. Louis Cardinals being profitable. Now, winning leads, you know, we all like to think that winning leads to more profit, but like it's obvious when like the Cardinals were not in on Yamamoto because the 30 million dollars 
it would cost to pay him to pitch for the Cardinals will not be recovered from the the games that the additional games that he will win. Right. So it is a is a net loss. And that's right. why we see the Cardinals doing these smaller deals and never going big into the market because it's it's never a financially sound decision. But teams that actually have ownerships that just want to win and don't just hope to win, you know, understand that like you can do both. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe your profit margin is slightly lower, but your team competes for a World Series every year. Shouldn't you want that as an owner? Like that's the shit that drives me crazy. Like there's so many rich people who would love to own a team and actually care about it and actually try to to win and not care about uh, you know, making profit. Like I don't know how we get there, but like we should get to a point this is, this is purely, you know, Star Trek utopian bullshit that I know is not how the world really works. But like every team should seek to be basically flat. We make as much money as we spend, you know, and just be about having the best sport. But they don't. Yeah. They care about well, wealth generation. If that was the case, you'd also see the Yankees and Dodgers running payrolls of like 500 million and. I'm not sure how other teams would feel about that, but I, I, well, I get sure. what you're saying. You get what I'm saying. Yeah. You you want a league of Steve Cohen's, a league of of owners, <laughs> well, and that's a, when you put it that way too. Steve Cohen should be in prison. So it's yeah. like you know, there's no ethical billionaires. That's part of the problem of this whole yeah. thing. But uh, it, it what it really comes down to is just like, don't say it. Just shut up. Just like yeah. I I I don't want to hear it. It is um, the the team is something that we all get to share. I do think that it is, there is some like a, a civic duty um, that comes along with it. And if that is not where your interests lie, um, just shut up, I guess. Like, yeah, I, I, you, you have nothing else to say that I could care about. Um, but here we are. Well, what a positive note. Um you know, we, we said it last a couple weeks ago. It is crazy to think that like we have all of these problems with the DeWitts. And we also acknowledge that comparatively speaking, one of the better ownership groups in baseball, which is a low bar to, to, to jump. Uh, so well, I've already complained about John Henry this episode. Yeah. yeah. Many of them are bad. Um, and unfortunately, uh, we all really love the game that they happen to own a fraction of. But yeah, that's okay. It'll be fine. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to talk about before we go into the break? Yeah. Just one last thing. Tommy Edmond, Cardinals utility player, center fielder of the future, maybe. Shortstop, second baseman. I don't know. Whatever. Switch You know him. Um, Tommy Two he, Bags. Tommy Two Bags underwent arthroscopic wrist surgery in October, uh, which we just learned about. Um, so... Good news, bad news, I guess. You know, the good news is that he's got this done. He should be showing up healthy and on time for spring training. And, you know, maybe it explains where his bat went towards the end of last mm. year, uh, dealing with injuries. Obviously, the Cardinals were just beat to hell at the end of last year. Uh, he dropped his WRC plus uh, by over uh, 15 points um, in that time period and just really didn't have much power. Um so I, I think this is good Real news. Tommy it's, it's, one bags. Tommy one bags. Tommy, uh, Tommy, please walk me. Bags, <laughs> nailed it. Um, but this is good, right? Uh, Tommy, please getting... walk me bags. <laughs> yes. 
yeah, yeah by all accounts he's like gonna it. have a full recovery and entering into the season healthy and uh yeah, yeah i mean everyone is the, the organization said multiple times at this point that he's the starting center fielder going into the regular season so barring any sort of unforeseen change like we're getting a lot of tommy in center it is so crazy that he stole the center field job away from dylan carlson yeah but that's where we are yep well I would say, you know, stay healthy. He he stayed healthy, but apparently not. But he just yeah. stayed healthy enough to keep playing. And yeah. when it doesn't, when you're actively trying to lose games, uh, who knows? In September, he might have been saying like, "Hey, coach, my wrist hurts," and they're like, "Ah, eh, get out there anyway." <laughs> you know, we ain't got um, nobody else. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I'm hopeful that the recovery is good and he comes into. 2024 strong and ready to play. I hey. mean, a healthy Tommy Edmund is so much fun. I know we have had sort of a up and down. No, uh, no, we've all, we love Tommy. Edmund. We love Tommy. I, Edmund. I, his value is so easy to see on the field and to calculate in real time. Yeah. It is, it is clear, clear. Um, and, and it is present and is in front of my mind at all times. Yeah. Tommy, we l- come back. Tommy, come back. Um, Tommy, come back. Ooh, that was. I don't even know what it was. That was that what you're doing? I think so. Okay. Sick. Yeah. My mixtape's coming out in a week. (laughs) (laughs) Check out Argo on Spotify. Yeah. Ben Affleck. We got a a song with Victor Scott. VS2. Is that can we call him VS2? Uh sure. I think we can call him whatever we want. VS2. (laughs) I don't know about that, but um yeah uh vs2 works okay okay um cool well we've got more stuff to talk about uh the hot stove is starting to heat up again um but before we do we want to remind everyone that this show is listener supported on patreon.com uh patreon.com slash talking about birds if you enjoy the show and want to show your support um as i said last week maybe you uh in the new year you're looking to support more creators local creators people who are doing the sort of content that you like uh consider joining the patreon patreon.com slash talking about birds we've got uh uh, tons of different tiers with different benefits um, but patrons of every level get access to the bird scored that is our private discord server Uh, i mentioned it earlier we're planning our first talking about birds movie night uh, which I think is going to be a lot of fun. And we have some ideas for other things we can do. Uh, also, uh, the fantasy baseball season will be kicking up here too. So uh, we'll get that going again. I have to defend my title. Uh, ben is shaking his head. I can't believe head. you won or delete. Like, that's so <laughs> lame. Come at me. Uh, we'd love to have some more people in it uh, next year uh, to be to be stepped on. And um, you yeah, suck. Uh, some of the higher levels, uh, we've got our, our T-shirts and you get one free. Um, they're really, really cool shirts. Um, so check that out. And uh, yeah, patreon.com slash talking about birds. Otherwise, if you want to support the show, consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Um, I know it's not the most exciting thing to do, but it only takes a couple minutes and it really does help. And we really, really enjoy reading them. Uh, so thank you to everyone who has already. Um, Ben, where else can people find us online? Uh, yeah. Um, five stars only, by the way, if you're giving (laughs) nothing less than five stars, um, find us on Twitter at talk about birds. We are on Instagram at talking 
about birds. Uh, we got a TikTok. Come look at our faces and my tie-dye shirt on TikTok if you want to do that. We, uh, we're we on Spotify. You can review and listen and add to playlists. Our, our show's on Spotify if you prefer to listen there. Uh, you can email us any questions or thoughts or concerns to talkaboutbirds at gmail.com. You can find all of that information at talkingaboutbirds.com. And of course, I implore you, I beg you, I push you to call us at 848-48-BIRDS. Again, that is 848-482-4737. Call us, text us. Um, yeah, hit us up. It's it's The interaction is so much fun. We really, really enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. If you call it, it'll ring for a minute and then you'll get to a voicemail. You'll hear my stupid voice. Um, leave us anything, uh, questions, comments, uh, <laughs> something you want us to discuss on the show. Any of that would be great. You can also text us if you don't want to call. Um, we'll we'll take that as well. Um, and I want to give a shout out. We received a very, very nice text message from Lacey, one of our new patrons, who um, you know just shared some some nice words that we're embarrassed to to say on the show, but they mentioned that they, they really bonded with, uh, they really became a fan of baseball, um, and really tie it to their relationship with their grandfather. It's sort of a generational thing in their family. And I think that's wonderful. I always think it's interesting to hear how people became, um, fans of the Cardinals. Remember we used to do the spark bird thing. We haven't had anyone new on the show for a little while to, <laughs> to talk about what their spark bird is, but, uh, <laughs> uh lacy if you um, can think of what your spark bird was the the cardinal that got you into the into the yeah. cardinals i'd love to hear it or if anyone if you want to call and text us tell us what your spark bird was we'd love to hear it um and i don't know ben it, you know it made me think um our our shared grandpa our mutual yeah. grandpa uh someone that um you know is super important to us in our lives huge cardinal fan and some of my fondest memories with him are talking about baseball or watching baseball. Every stuff. single time I would see him, he'd slip me a five dollar bill and ask me how I thought the Cardinals were going to do. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah. We, I, we relate to that very, very, very closely and very dearly. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for sharing that with us, Lacey, and thank you for your kind words. And uh, yeah, eight four eight forty eight birds. Eight four eight four eight two four seven three seven. <laughs> um, get to act our, like we're real radio guys there i know er, er, er. <laughs> it's the morning zoo let the lid out that was cool yep uh all right let's run through some of the the news and and notes that happened over the last week around the league we got a lot nate so i'll try to get through these quickly because things are happening uh, the Cubs finally made a move. Yes. Uh, we don't have the exact dollar amount. I was just Googling it right before I started talking about this. Final numbers aren't out yet. It looks like it's pending physical, but Shota, Imanaga, and the Cubbies have agreed to a deal. Uh, the deal seems to be at the very least two years. Uh, the AAV of said deal looks like it's going to be 15 million bucks. Um, and there seem to be a lot of escalators attached to this deal. I've seen that it could max out somewhere around $80 million. Um, but more details to come after the physical and everything like that is done. But yeah, the Cubbies, uh, the Cubbies strike. They get a guy who I, I, this might be a pretty good deal for them um, yeah. at that price point. And I mean, if you go back and look at what Imanaga has done in MPB, obviously he's older than uh, Yamamoto, uh, who just got the, you know, the bag of all bags. But he had some better numbers. He had more strikeouts. Uh, he racked up a ton of innings. He doesn't walk people. 
Um, it's, you know, we'll see the transition. It's, it's always hard to predict exactly yeah. what it's going to look like from NPB to, uh, MLB, but it's, uh, you know, it's a move you don't love to see from a Cardinals fan perspective. No, it's actually kind of frustrating. So this is two years in a row where there's been like one move that I've really wanted the Cardinals to do that I thought was maybe somewhat reasonable. Um, and last year it was signed Cody Bellinger to a one-year deal. And then this year it's signed yeah. Shoto Imanaga. If you remember going into the offseason, um, Imanaga was the guy that I thought was like the actual realistic target from the MPB that like fit right into exactly what the Cardinals are looking for. And then obviously as the offseason progressed, it became clearer and clearer that that wasn't going to happen. But it's particularly disappointing that it's the Cubs. Um, yeah. I also read it has been reported that uh, Imanaga had multiple offers on the table, some of which doubled the overall guarantee that uh, he's getting from the Cubs, but he chose the Cubs. Why anyone would do that, I don't know, but um, that's annoying as well. So uh, it just it's annoying across the board. I'm not looking forward to him being uh, a good starter for the Cubs. That said, if there's one thing the Cardinals can do really well, it's typically hit left-handed pitching, and the Cubs' uh, lineup is, or rotation is looking very left-handed heavy right now. So I'm hoping that um, this at least works out in the Cardinals' favor, yeah. where we can go and crush them at Wrigley and at, and at Bush all year. Yeah, I wonder if the Seiya Suzuki factor is is what maybe made that happen. Uh, maybe we'll learn more as you know once this deal actually gets finalized and everything like that, but. Um, yeah, agreed, agreed on all, all fronts, um, more annoying news for, this is just bad for all baseball fans, but, uh, here, here it comes all baseball uh, the, fans, <laughs> except for Dodgers fans, the Dodgers sign another free agent, uh, they, a one year deal, 23.5 million bucks for outfielder Teoscar Hernandez. Um, I, I am shocked that he only got one year. Um, a lot of this money is deferred, of course, making it even more cost-effective for the Doyers out in LA. And, uh, you know, this guy's got a, a very powerful bat and, uh, you could expect the Dodgers to find the best way to deploy him and Jason Hayward and Mookie Betts and Josh Outman and probably be really great for them. So, you know, good for Dodgers fans, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty good move. Um, you know, he, he had, all good years with uh, the Mariners, but his last two, he's been kind of declining yeah. with them a little bit. Um, and so I think that's where you're getting the the one-year deal, sort of the pillow contract. He's hoping to regain his value. And, um, you know, the Seattle's ballpark is uh, one of the worst uh, offensive environments in baseball. And even though they generally have had you know, they've got like Julio and some of these guys that really stand out as offensive players. It is a it is a tough ballpark to hit in. Right. And uh, Dodger Stadium is not. So uh, it should be a good move for him. And then obviously he gets to hit behind uh, Otani. Betts, the best Freeman. one, two, three of all time. <laughs> yeah. So, it, it you know, if you're looking for that one year deal to regain Ugh. your value, uh, it's pretty good. And then yeah. also uh, just twenty three and a half million dollars is pretty good as well so uh wow. pretty smart for everyone and i think it's going to be annoying when he uh is really good for them again yeah 
Uh, Mets uh, make a, a couple of moves. Uh, they have officially signed Harrison Bader to be their center fielder. That's a $10.5 million deal. Um, they have also signed left-hander Sean Manaya uh, for a two-year deal worth $28 million. Bucks. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously in baseball money, it's nothing, but good for Bader getting the bag, $10.5 million. So yeah. he's... Uh, you know, he was already he already had a had made a little bit over through arbitration and whatnot, but uh it's a pretty good chunk of change to uh you know see how he does with the Mets. Since it's the Mets, I assume it's just gonna somehow collapse. And it's just like Yeah. I really hope not. I would really love to see Bader play 150 games. Yeah. Um the Mets are they're obviously they're they're focusing on defense and, and improving what they look like out there. And Bader's from New York. So I, I bet that's hey. super, super fun to be able to play at home, you make $10 million and, uh, yeah, but it's all about health. I just want him to stay on yeah. the field as long as he can. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the Manea deal, um, you know, it's kind a shock. He got that much money. Yeah. 228. You know, we continue to talk about these boring deals with Lynn and Gibson and it is like, what would you rather have one year of Lynn? at 11 or two years of Manea at 28. And I do keep going back to, well, I'd rather have the, you know, Lennon Gibson side of it. Um, and so, you know, we want to give credit where credit is due. Obviously we'll see how it goes on the field. If those guys bomb, if Lynn and Gibson suck, then we'll have totally different answers. But as we're, as we stand right now and you're just viewing the options on the board, it does seem like it was smart for the Cardinals yeah. to go and get Gibson and Lynn at the price that they did. It does. It's uh, well, well, that's why they play the game, is it? But it yeah. do, it is feeling smart, which I kind of hate. But you know, whatever, it's fine. Well, if, not to keep you know beating a dead horse, but our point has never been that those are bad signings. Our point yeah. is that they need more. Yeah. Right. And so two things can be true. Right. So Cardinals could still trade for a starting pitcher, which right, nothing <laughs> stopping them. From doing that, other than, yeah. you know, will and determination. Have you seen the stuff on Cease? Like, what, you know, what they're looking for for him? Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I, I think the Cardinals well, sh- should do something like trade for him, but what, what the White Sox in particular are looking for for Cease, I could understand why you might balk at it. Yeah, and you you look, and Chris Getz, is, he's really got a new GM there. He's really got a, a mountain to climb with. The uh, the last rebuild essentially falling so flat. Yeah, um, I cannot believe how how poorly that went. But the Chris Sale trade never really paid off, and um, it, it just never really came together. So I, it makes sense. I wouldn't be surprised if Reinsdorf is in Chris Gatt's ear saying like, "You cannot, we Go cannot do it. this again." Like, yeah, like uh, if Reinsdorf, you're going to trade him, you need to. This needs to be a trade where everyone says, holy shit, I can't believe the White Sox got that much. And yes. If it's not that, then just keep him. Yes. And, and I, I imagine Reinsdorf wants the White Sox to be in the playoffs one last time before, you know, he's he's really getting up there. Um, we've talked about the uh, the secret sauce in any ownership group is how much longer <laughs> does the owner have? And I wouldn't be surprised if Reinsdorf is there here, you know, in the next year or so. Um, but we'll see. We want our uh, we want our <laughs> owners to either be uh, you know moral uh, humans or near death. Either way, you tend to get to the same result. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's too- and unfortunately with the Cardinals, you know, there's generations of Dewitts. So yeah, it's, it's just, not happening here. Yeah, there's too many of them. <laughs> 
There's, I, I think we just came on the solution then. We, there's too many of them. We need to uh, fix that. Your words, oh. now. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get them interested in other fields. That's what it is. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah, they need to have like an artist kid or something like that. Go go, go focus on other things. Put out an album with Victor Scott and, <laughs> and Adam Wainwright. <laughs> uh, the Mariners have traded uh, uh, Jose Caballero, who's a uh, Sterling defensive second baseman to the Rays for slugging Luke Rayleigh, uh, who I don't know if you saw this, Nate, but he uh, got the call while he was on his honeymoon and he was playing uh, a pool volleyball and apparently dominated the game, hopped out of the pool and found out he had been traded from the Rays to the Mariners. I think it's a pretty interesting trade. It's pretty low level, um, but it seems like the Mariners, they're, they're filling out their outfield all of a sudden and the Cardinals aren't helping them do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I also think like if you're playing any sort of extracurricular sport with a major league baseball player and you're not being dominated 100% of the time, like what's happening? I can't imagine (laughs) doing any sort of semi-athletic thing with 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 like, oh, it's a bunch of bunch of bros. We're all a bunch of people all hanging out at a pool. We're going to play volleyball and then a fucking major league baseball players also in there. You're like, it just has to feel like, yeah unwelcoming yeah um <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah luke, luke trade luke yeah. rayleigh had a he had a break he kind of broke out last year he's power speed combo big dude yeah. um and caballero is, you know he kind of fell off uh offensively but he can he can run he can play he's fast. he can play yeah. defense yeah we'll, we'll see what happens in a far more interesting trade uh jerry depoto just going ham in the new year I, I love this one uh and i don't know if you noticed this but there was a mm-hmm. uh so I'll, I'll the trade really quick. It was Robbie Ray is now a giant. The Giants send Mitch Haniger and Anthony DeScalfani uh, up the coast to to Seattle. Um, and and an interesting tidbit is that Robbie Ray had in his contract that if he was traded in the first two years, he was given a one million dollar uh, relocation payout. And Jerry Depoto waited four days after that expired to trade. Robbie Ray, which is, is funny yeah, to me. I saw that. But uh, I mean, I have to like this for the Mariners, and I really don't understand what the Giants are doing here. Well, I'm assuming the Giants are just really banking on a Robbie Ray bounce back. He only threw three innings in uh, uh, 2023. His last, you know, he threw 189 in uh, 2022, but... Um, but didn't look that good. Yeah, he put up 1.7 F4. I mean, he had an XFIP of 3.58 that year. So, you know, he had some some of his results were not as good as his performance. But his last real good year was 2021, uh, where he was very good with the yeah. Blue Jays. And so, um, you know, the like the the Giants traded two guys that they've had for a while um, but also have like not completely put it together for them either. So with yeah. Descalfani and Hanager, so it almost felt like, um, you know, two teams are sort of trading parts that like they just don't want to have anymore, <laughs> either from the injury or ineffectiveness or whatever. Um, and so the Giants are banking on that bounce back from the from from Ray, and I guess we'll see if it happens. Yeah, I mean. Is it possible those tight, tight pants that Robbie Ray wears, you know, was just alluring to the, to the, uh, to Farhan? Be. I mean, it maybe, you be. know, like, was he we just don't. transfixed? 
Yeah, we don't talk about the the allure uh, of tight pants and uh, in trade negotiations <laughs> enough. So um, might be. But it's you know it's it's interesting. I also like you know obviously I look at everything through a Cardinals lens. Um, the the Mariners you know currently have seven legitimate starting pitchers that probably should be starting every week yeah. right now. Uh, is this signaling? Are they going to flip De Scalfani? Um, are they going to uh, send Brian Wu or Bryce Miller out? Um, Emerson Hancock is kind of looming. Um, but yeah, I don't know. The Mariners have been really, they're always interesting. Jerry Depoto is a madman. Um, but they, you know, they've yeah. added Mitch Garver, Mitch Hanniger, Luke Rayleigh, Luis Urias uh, to their offense and added some pitching depth that they're looking I don't know. They're looking good. I, yeah. I like their moves is I guess what I'm trying to say. Well, I, I do wonder, are they just like, so Hanniger, uh, you know, he was a Mariner for quite a yeah. while. Um, but he was really rough for the giants last year. Negative 0.2 F four over 229 plate appearances. And then he was not great in the, his last year with the Mariners, but back in 2019 or sorry, 2021, he was, really good um he was a you know 39 home runs 110 runs 100 right. RBI. like he was a good offensive player so are they just like nostalgic for the old hanniger do they think that there was something they could fix for it you know bring him back and make him what he once was but like from the outside looking in it's like man you just traded for a guy who's been declining for years um but they got out of that robbie ray salary which i think yeah. is huge yeah true that's where I was saying it felt like two teams just sort of like dumping yeah. different parts to each other. And the giants are more willing who, who are generally good at pitching as well. Like, yeah. you know, uh, developing pitching, like the giants, I think have a better shot at winning this trade. It wouldn't yeah. surprise me if Ray is an effective pitcher in 24. Oh, I, I, I disagree fully. Man, let's, yeah. let's track that. We'll just, that'll, that'll be a fun, yeah. uh, uh, I don't know how we'll track that, but let's, let's it's impossible track that for as a us to be able to track it. Um, well, I mean, I don't know how you, well, yeah, we'll, we'll try. Yeah. Okay. okay. Shut up. Um, <laughs> I think Hanniger and Daiscalfani will outperform. You Robbie. shut up. <laughs> you shut up. You um, shut up. <laughs> and, uh, uh, the Braves, uh, do more Braves things. Uh, we talked last week, big trade they made, uh, Vaughn Grissom for Chris sale. Uh, and we were thinking what's happening here. One year, Chris sale. Why not? Uh, and then the Braves basically immediately after we were done recording, turn around and they signed Chris Sale to an extension. Two years, 38 million bucks, and then they'll have an option for a third year, which pays, I think it's somewhere around $20 million. I didn't write that down. Um, but they're going full in on the on the Chris Sale. They're they're betting on the bounce back, betting on the health. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting. What would you rather have? Sean Manea for two years for 34. Or Chris Sale two for thirty eight. Yeah, it's pretty easy. Yeah, right. So it's it's a pretty good deal for the Braves, assuming is. he is able to pitch. Because if he's healthy, he will pitch well generally. Um, and, and like the Braves are in this kind of like Chris Sale is a Chris Sale is the opposite of Kyle Gibson, right? Kyle <laughs> Gibson gives yeah. you a shitload of bad innings or of fine innings. Below below average innings, Chris Sale gives you like a hundred of some Elite. of the best innings you can yeah. get, and it's just you know making that calculation, and, and you have the kind of team that can 
you know, work with yeah. that. And keep, keep if Chris Sale can pitch game three of a playoff series, it's probably worth the 18 million alone. Yeah. <sighs> Stupid Braves. Yep. Um, th- this piece of news is just, you know, it, it's mostly for me, but it's, it's for Cardinals fans, I suppose. Dakota Hudson signs with the Rockies. <laughs> um, I know there's some ribbing of this deal in the birds court. I know, uh, this is, uh, I mean, the, the Rockies, it's, it's, it, I don't think there could be a worse landing spot for Dakota Hudson. Well, I mean, that's it. any pitcher who signs with the Rockies. You're just generally going to say this is the worst place that they could have landed. Um, but Dakota Hudson seems particularly, uh, poorly aligned to pitch in the, <laughs> the Rockies. The number one thing you can't do at Coors Field is walk people yeah. um, because you're going to give up hits. You're going to give up home runs. You're going to give up extra base hits. It's just going to happen. I watched so many games there. It's just how it is. The outfield is big. The ball flies. That's how it goes. And now Dakota Hudson, who's walking like five or six per nine, <laughs> um, and then also tends to get hit hard. It There's yeah. just... I, I maybe Buddy Black, you know, he can whisper to some pitchers sometimes. He, you know, he he made Kyle Freeland bounce back a little bit, and he's done some interesting things. Maybe, maybe there's a Buddy Black factor in there, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It'll, it'll be I'll, nice to be in the same city with Dakota again. I guess I hey, got that hey, for yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, just like of all guys that the Rockies could go and sign. I'm like, what? Why Dakota <laughs> Hudson? Yeah, poor guy. Um, Michael Brantley has decided to retire from baseball. Uh, I love Michael Brantley. I think yeah. he's great. Um, I, uh, I don't think he's a hall of famer, but he is close. A hall of very good. I was reading a stat earlier today that over his, I think he was uh, playing baseball for about 15 years. He had 206, uh, strikeouts, uh, uh, without swinging while looking and 62 of those balls were actually out of the zone and bad calls by the umpire. Wow. Um, and for a player with 15 years under his belt, that's just absolutely insane. Yeah. So he retires uh, with, let's see, 6,149 plate appearances and a 298 batting average with a 117 WRC plus. Uh, total war 28.8. So kind of not even really close to Hall of Fame, but uh, really good. And just someone that's been a big part of the league for a while now on, yeah. on some really good teams and yeah. who doesn't love a guy who can maintain a high average, you know, yeah. a, a, a 300, a, basically a 300 average over the last 15 years of the league is very, very rare. Yeah. So, fun, fun type of player. Not bad. Uh, last bit of news. The Miami Marlins have hired Rachel Balkovec as their farm director director. She is the first female in MLB to hold such positions. So shout out to Rachel. Um, yeah, kind of crazy. It's happening. She seems great. And we always what we say with these sorts of things is it's taken too long, but it is great that it is happening. And it fun, just funny for the Marlins to fire the first ever uh, female GM and then go hire yeah. the first. But, you know, Try they, not to like overthink that and overplay yeah. that, you know, because it, it like, doesn't really matter. Those two people have nothing to do with each other. But yeah. just the 30,000 foot view is it is funny. funny. Yeah, it is funny. Um, but yeah, she seems uh, incredibly impressive. So hopefully uh, I'm like so torn on how to feel about the Marlins. You know, it's like I want to like the Marlins, but they've also done so many stupid things that yeah. like it sort of stops me from really liking them. But, you know, 
Schumacher's back to ownership. John Jay's ownership. It it really does. Yeah. Uh, That's all I got, Nady. Well, we are we're in the back half of the hot stove at this point. So um, I think we'll probably there's still a lot of big names out there. So who knows what'll happen over the next few weeks. We do our, our our remaining free agent draft when spring training starts, right? That's what we did last year. Okay, yeah. yeah. Right. I was thinking about that too. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah we'll see. Um, generally speaking, people like to have their pitchers signed before you know spring training really starts. So I'm expecting uh, most of these, most of the big names left are pitchers. Yeah, and I'm expecting most of them to be signed in the next you know couple weeks. I, I yeah, I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if Snell and Montgomery are signed by the time we chat next week. Yeah, yeah. There's been a lot of movement, a lot of discussion on Snell right now. Seems to be the the perceived number one still on the market. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Well, let's wrap this up with a little game. Uh, ben, we haven't played this one for a while, uh, but I think it's one we both like. We're returning to talking about words. Oh no. Words. Oh, Words. Forgot about this song. Words. 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 That's our old theme song from the long yep. ago. Yep, uh, yep, yep. That's so just a slight alteration to make it fit the game. <laughs> um, so this is talking about words. I have a list of baseball slang that I have pulled from uh, the same list I used last time. It's from routine.com. It is uh, the Bible of baseball slanguage. Okay. So I've got a piece of baseball slang. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you four options and you have to tell me which one is the real, the real one. All right. Okay, so a duck fart is a duck fart, a bunt that drops straight down. Is it when the ball bounces off a player's butt? (laughs) Is it a pop out to the pitcher or is it a soft uh, floater that lands in between the infielder and outfielder? I don't know why. I don't know where the etymology comes, but it's it's D. It's it's a soft liner. Um, but I have heard that before, I believe. Yeah, I had heard this one too. Um, I think it's, I don't know. It's just like, it just looks like a little duck, duck fart. <laughs> I mean, just, just saying duck fart is fun. So maybe that yeah. it's like it just caught on because it's fun. Yeah. Yeah, you got it. It is a soft floater that lands in between the infielder and the outfielder. That's right. Okay. What is hot coffee? Is hmm. it a September call-up that goes particularly well? Is it <laughs> when an outfielder bobbles a hard-hit ground ball? Hmm. Is it a nickname for a new player that needs to do the coffee runs? Or is it going first to third particularly fast? Wow, I don't know. I don't think I've ever heard this one. Um, what was A again? A September call up that goes particularly well. I don't think it's that. I mean, maybe like they call it a cup of coffee, obviously, when you come up. Hot coffee. I mean, hot coffee. It's kind of it, 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 like it's kind of redundant. Like coffee's hot. Um, not, not what? No, cold brew. There's like a whole industry of coffee that's not hot. Yeah, but like baseball terms come from like a thousand years ago. They, they weren't making cold <laughs> brew whenever this was coined. Um, 
Hmm. I wonder when, when was cold. You think for a second. When did? Yeah. So yeah, I really don't know this one. This this is a tough one. I am going to go with B. Just kind of sort of makes sense, and I could like the person's kind of juggling it. I, I don't know. I'll go with the outfielder, uh, uh, ground, uh, 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 fielding the ground ball and poor and, and failing. You got it, Ben. It is when an infielder bobbles a hard hit ground ball like a hot coffee. Yeah, is what the kind of, yeah I was saying like hot potato, hot co- yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, also, the first evidence of true cold brewed coffee made with cold water comes to comes from Japan, Kyoto style coffee, named for its popularity in Kyoto, Japan, is the earliest record of cold brewed coffee. It's clear that the Japanese were brewing coffee this way in the 1600s. Wow. Although the record prior to that is unclear. So, okay. Wow. Asked and answered. Yep. I, one of my dumbest Googles, because I was talking to you and trying to type this, I Googled, when did cold brew get invented? (laughs) (laughs) Idiot. But it got me the answer. So, who's wrong? You Googled good. I do Google good. I do Google good. All right. Uh, Landscaper is the landscaper. The backup catcher. Is it a player that has a strong arm and can hit well? Is it someone who covers a lot of ground while running in the outfield? Or is it the rookie they make clean up after practice? Wow. It's another one I've not ever heard. Um, I'm going to say it's the fielder that can cover a lot of ground. Just because that makes the most sense to me. Nope. So Damn. this one, I will I will now read it in the way that they framed it. Because it will make it make more sense. Is it? It is a player that has a hose and can rake. Oh, that's funny. I like that. They have that. a strong arm and they can hit well. They have a hose and can rake. I, they I'm taking are, that. They are a landscaper. That's mine now. Yeah. You you, what do you mean? I coined that. Oh, <laughs> nice. All right, let me put a little. little <laughs> let me put Ben after it. Okay. Thank you. Nice work. Yeah, I like that one. That's cute. Um. All right. Pocket monster. <laughs> uh, is a pocket monster a small batter who absolutely crushes? Yeah, that's what uh, I'm thinking. Is it a small vial of cocaine kept in your back pocket, forcing you to slide head first? Is it big league chew? Or is it when a back pocket is hanging out of your pants, forming a small ghost-like creature? (laughs) So my first thought was Jose Altuve. Uh Um, Now, that being said, I have heard a baseball story of guys sliding head first because Mm -hmm. they had a a glass vial of cocaine in their back pocket. It would shock me to learn that that is such a regular occurrence that it had a nickname. Um, so I'm going to go with small player who rakes. It is actually not. That was one that I made up because I like calling. Now I like thinking of uh, Jose Altuve. I actually had Altuve in parentheses in my yeah. little write up here. Uh, calling Altuve a pocket monster is yeah. adorable. Um, is. Also, a isn't pocket monster what a po- yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a Pokemon. So. Altuve. Um, no, it is according to this, when a back pocket is hanging out of your pants, forming oh. a small ghost like creature. Wow. Okay. Didn't know I that, hope that I had a name. The more, you, the more you learn. I know. I, I, I suspect we'll see 
Like when we did this game before last year, we did it with Kelsey, I think. And we yeah. said a bunch of like old timey shit. And then Chip Carey came in and said basically everything that yes. we kind of laughed about. Um, so I'm expecting we'll see a couple pocket monsters. Well, you, uh, you, you see it uh, from my understanding, players do it to change their luck. They, they had a bad first at bat and oh. then they leave their pocket out to, you know, change, change the vibe or whatever. But, uh, I, I've never heard it called that. Yeah. Me neither. All, All right. right. Last one. Morning wood. <laughs> okay. Is it breaking your bat on your first swing of the day? Yeah. Is it an early game? Mm-hmm. Is it early morning batting practice? Mm. Or is it what your dirty mind is thinking about you pervert? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, obviously it's what my dirty mind is thinking about because I'm a pervert. Uh, I'm going to say early batting practice because baseball players talk like that. They're children. Yep, it is. Early batting practice is morning wood. Of course it is. So nice one. You got three of five, correct? Uh, Damn, not bad. So yeah. that's a fun guy. I do that one is fun. I, I just love hearing these these. Yeah, baseball's so weird. Yeah, yeah this uh, I I want to like share this link with you, but also this is my source for this game. So I'm <laughs> yeah, but there's there's yeah. so many of these. Like I, you know, I, it seems to be relatively open source. So like I think anyone can really throw these up here. But like I've used it before, then I hear these things, and I swear yeah. I never heard them before. So I I don't know. You know I I. There is like like any industry, it's like you just these stupid languages form. Yeah, it's just jargon just and colloquialism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, Baltimore chop. That's the Baltimore chop. Yeah. yeah. So uh, or a uh, a punch and Judy hitter was one that we had last time. Punch and Judy. That, yeah. You know, I both didn't know about it. And I've heard that phrase like 10,000 yeah. times since we talked about it yeah. on that episode. So tools of ignorance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I expect it. We'll see some pocket monsters and, um, Hey, if we're lucky, a little morning wood, um, we'll see <laughs> my, what I might go to, we're talking about going to spring training this year. Nasty ass. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode. Thank you everyone, uh, for listening as always. Uh, shout out to the patrons and the bird scored, uh, patreon.com slash talking about birds. Uh, if you remember, you can give us a call or text eight four eight forty eight birds and um, we'll be back next week. And until then, I'm just going to say go Cardinals. Yeah. Hey, you yeah. know what? If you're listening right now, I'd just like to say that I love you. You know what? Valentine's Day is right around that corner. <laughs> Listener, would you be my Valentine? Oh, my God. Hang up the call. <laughs>
I only talk to microphones. My name's <laughs> Nate. I like to watch sports ball on the TV, but I can't play it because it's too scary. Yeah. My bones, my, my skin, bones, my, my bones epidermis. My, my bones, my skin, my epidermis. You know my you know that card I hand out to everyone. <laughs> my bones, my skin, my, skin. my <laughs> epidermis. epidermis. I've got a rash. <laughs> <laughs> my epidermis is itchy. Yikes. And red. All right. Well, this sucks. This is a good start. <laughs> oh, are you popping off your jumper? Uh, oi. Oi, let oi. me pop off my jumper. Popping off me jumper. 